Say and hey. we're back. Say hey. 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 And welcome. You guys are just jealous. To another episode of the AT Banter Podcast. Jealous, jealous, jealous. It's true, we are. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys don't have a catchphrase that's going on a t-shirt. Well, I'm still waiting for the t-shirt. Well, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have my picture on the back. <laughs> hey. With a target on it. No. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, 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 I, banter. I'm oh, sorry, I stepped on your banter. <laughs> stepped on your bantering. The reverb. Uh, I am Rob Minot. No, you're not. And I am joined by Ryan Flurry. Hey. And Steve Barkley. I deny everything. They're very punchy today. It's a beautiful day here in Vancouver. It <laughs> actually feels like spring. Yay, sunshine. And we're sitting in a basement. Yay, basement. All right. So you know what we should do? What? what should we do? We should get this podcast done so we can go back outside. That's a good idea. So Rob, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, I'm so glad you asked, Ryan, because uh, today we are talking to some fine folks from Microsoft about their app Soundscape. We are talking to Jarnell Chudge, who is the innovation architect, and Amos Miller, who is the product strategist. Uh, yeah, looking forward to talking to those boys and... Uh, learning all about it uh in the meantime hey i've got something i want to talk to you guys about um, yeah have you heard about this new braille font alaya yeah yeah i actually sh i should set this up for, for anyone who hasn't heard about this so uh last week it there was a story that ran about uh this new this new type of um i guess it's an embossed font that uh, is supposedly a lot easier to learn than Braille. What do you guys know about it and what do you guys think about it? Is it a good thing or is it just going to muddy the waters in terms of Braille literacy? Well, from what I've seen of it, it um, you know, the, the idea is they want to pair lettering with Braille. But that's exactly it, yeah. And that's, that's all well and good up until you start using any kind of contraction, in which case your print is going to look hokey. So, um, you know, it might be good for people who are developing really rudimentary, you know, grade one or grade zero Braille skills. Um, but uh, as soon as they start moving on to grade two, it's it's not going to be of any use. It would just be funny looking print. So do you see it as sort of a supplement to to Braille in terms of like maybe being able to be used for like public signage? Um, because one of the things that they talk about, the advantages of it, it's very learn, it's very easy to learn for both people who are visual and people who are not visual so that you can have this shared language uh, that, that both can understand. So it might be good for public spaces, for example, where, uh, you know, it's not, um, you know, real dense text. Well, my my first, uh, you know, they they talked about it, it, they talked about the idea of it being used in signs, and my 
first thought of that was, well, how is the Braille user going to know that there's a sign there? Right. Sure. So, I mean, typically, a Braille user will use Braille in certain specific instances, room numbers maybe, elevators maybe. Um, but when it comes to dealing with signs, um, these days, people, I think, are using things like Microsoft Seeing AI. Sure. To, you know, snap pictures of what's around them if they want a sign read. Um, they're not going to be wandering around feeling for signs. So it sort of means that it's got to be a sign that they know is there already. Okay. And if they know the sign's there already, odds are they've encountered it. And they know what it says. And they know what it says. So how much use is this? Mm, marginal, I would say. Well, cer certainly, in, maybe in that scenario, you, you may have a point. But, I mean, in general, like, do you do you see this as a positive? Or do you just see it as is it's just taken away from people uh, learning Braille? I have no strong feelings about this. Well, you're not going to be very interesting to talk to. Yeah, and, and I don't really either. To me, you know, my first thoughts were, you know, great, here we go, another reading system. Um, you know, like Steve was saying earlier, maybe for somebody who is elderly and lost their sight later in life, they're not going to spend the time to learn Braille. So something like this might be a quick and dirty way of them being able to label things in their house. But again, there's other ways of doing that too. So I don't really see it going anywhere, but I could be wrong. It's certainly got a lot of press. But. Mm -hmm. it, it's got a lot of press, and I think a lot of people are, are kind of excited about it, it seems. Um, but it would be interesting to know what the real Braille literacy advocates think of this. Well, maybe we, uh, that's something we can uh, bounce off of uh, Adam at PRCBI. I would love to, yeah. I'd love to have him on the show and talk see, about it, See actually. what he thinks about it. I've been wanting to get him back on the show anyways. We're booked until end of June. <laughs> All righty then. Um, they're also talking about uh, the specialized printer that, that will be able to handle the font. Mm -hmm. um, a $200, I guess, modified HP printer um, hmm. that, that uses, uh, it sounds like it's, a, it's, it's sort of a, what do you call it, swell touch yep. paper that, uh, that embosses. Um, we have to uh, see an example of it and just see how uh, easy it is to actually read or figure out or learn. Yeah. You know, yeah, again, like, I don't know. I, I just, you know, Braille literacy had, for the last few years has already had an uphill battle because of because of things like screen readers, because of things like... Um, phones and other devices that will read for you. Right. So, you know... I, I'm hoping that this isn't yet another, you know, shortcut that people are going to be tempted to take because, you know, at the, the end of the day, and the the other the other downside of this font is that it also takes up a lot more real estate on the paper. Yeah, it was large, yeah. Um, you know, it's not nearly as, as condensed as, as Braille. So the idea of brailing a book or even a long newspaper article with this, it is just not viable, I don't think. I mean, I think, you know, you you know, probably one page of text would probably take 10 pages of, of this particular font. We shall see. Not excited. This will make you excited, though. What's that? Let's, uh, let's bring on our guests. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that. Joining just us is Janelle Chudge and Amos Miller. Bring them in. 
Uh, well, listen, guys, thanks so much for, for joining us today to talk about uh, Soundscape. It's a pleasure. Thanks so, for inviting us. It's, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So, listen, why don't we just start out uh, and just giving us a, a, a broad overview just on what Soundscape is and how it works. Oh, okay. Um, gosh. So, Soundscape um, essentially is uh, a piece of technology that uh, we've been working on now for a, a few years. It started off in very close collaboration with guide dogs here in the UK. And the relationship with them centered essentially around how can we use technology to empower people, in particular people who are blind or low vision, be more mobile, be more independent, and uh, be able to do the things that everybody else is able to do, have access to the same services, experiences, and facilities. And that's really been the driving ethos, the driving philosophy behind what we've been uh, working on. And as you can imagine, over the, uh, the years, we've done a hell of a lot of uh, research to really understand, well, what counts as an empowering experience as opposed to merely developing technology for the, uh, the sake of uh, technology. And as part of the process, we made sure that uh, the research that we carried out involved people who are blind or low vision and we spent a lot of time with them as designers when they're out and about going about their normal everyday life activities, their normal everyday routines and so on. But we had the added advantage in many ways of being able to work very closely with uh, mobility instructors from guide dogs, from orientation and mobility specialists. And the coming together of these different uh, uh, people, perspectives and experiences really enabled us to make sure that the um, research that we were undertaking was, I guess, multi-layered and enabled us to start to get at, I guess, some of the unarticulated needs of uh, everybody, not just people who are blind or, uh, or low vision, particularly when it comes to how do we increase or grow our awareness of the places we're already familiar with and indeed the places that were less familiar with. And we wanted to really use technology in a way that was natural, not uh, intrusive or invasive, but very intuitive to use as well. And as part of that process, this is where we really sort of, I guess, considered using 3D sound or spatial audio to enable a person to have a much better sense of where they are and what's around them. And in this way, being able to very quickly get their bearings because the items that they would have access to from their environment, the points of interest, the landmarks, the intersections, uh, whatever uh, else is out there, would actually appear from where that item or that point of interest is relative to where that person was. So for example, if you're uh, uh, walking down a, a road and the library is to the right of you, and the station is to the left of you, and the uh, civic hall or town hall is behind you, you'd actually hear these items from their respective positions relative to you. And if you then suddenly turn left, it's you, the person who has changed your position in the world. Those physical spaces and places are still where they are. And instead, now you'd hear them relative to where you are. And 
it's because we've been able to, I guess, develop a way of being able to determine where a person is and then call out these points of interest relative to that person's position in a very dynamic, very fluid way that a person suddenly starts to have a much greater appreciation of where they are and, uh, and what's around them. So that hopefully gives you, I guess, a little bit of a sense, a little bit of a flavor of uh, some of the rationale behind Soundscape, what's been driving us in particular over the last uh, couple of years. And in particular, the innovative use of uh, 3D spatial audio, 3D surround sound to uh, just help you better connect with uh, where you are. So can you give us an idea of, of say, like a situation or, or even just like maybe like a mini case study on, on just how a user would, would use a soundscape? Um, I can jump in here and maybe give a, a, maybe a sort of very standard and then maybe a sure. couple of examples of maybe less standard usage, use scenarios. Um, so the typical scenario is that you are um, sitting somewhere or getting off a taxi, let's say, somewhere, um, and you first went, want to get your bearings of, let's say it's a semi-familiar area, you know that street, but you want to know exactly where you got dropped off. So you might uh, get a quick snapshot of key landmarks that are right around you and say, okay, I, I, I hear that the bank I'm familiar with is over there, the station is over there, and um, some shoe shop is over behind me. So I can, I, I, just a quick orientation, I can also figure out what street I'm on. So that's more orientation, figuring out the, the space in a very quick and um, non-intrusive way. What I mean non-intrusive is you might be alone, you might be with a child, a friend, or whatever, and we don't want that technology to get in the way of that. And we can talk about more about that later on, because that's a really important aspect of Soundscape. Um, <coughs> then you, you'll be heading, let's say, to a nearby cafe or a nearby um, uh, business uh, or to a bus stop or wh whatever that is. So the way that you would do that with Soundscape is you, what you, what you do is you'd place an, a virtual or a beacon on the destination or the landmark that you want to keep an eye on. Uh, let's say it's a cafe, you'd place an audio beacon on the cafe and you'd hear it through your headphones, and, the, and it's important to wear stereo headphones to get the full effect, you'd hear that audio beacon emanating from the direction where the cafe is. I'm not going to tell you how to walk there, unlike step-by-step uh, -step instructions, it's just going to give you a sense for, okay, it's uh, in front of me and to the right, somewhere around 150 yards. That helps me. I can figure out with my with my dog or with my sighted guide or my cane or my whichever way I, I get around. Uh, okay, I'm, along, I'm, I'm walking along a road, and as I walk along, the cafe is coming further and further and further to my right. Um, now I need to find a place to turn right so that I can start walking down the road that's going to get me closer to that cafe. So it's that kind of spatial-based orientation that you do. Um, and all the while um, hearing uh, other land landmarks that appear in the space around you and what 
for example, with that very simple scenario, what we find with um, with people who are experiencing this, and it takes a bit of skill to sort of get to 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 really notice everything, but people very quickly um, build a mental map for what the route that they've walked, they've been on and the space that they're in. Um, in a very easy, intuitive way. If you ask them when they arrived at the cafe to draw a little map of, of the route and what, what, where they've been, they're very quick. And that's something that we f- we feel is, is, is quite important because uh, as a result of, uh, of how they navigated, they were quite engaged in that experience. They weren't just following instructions. They were engaged, engaged in the environment, engaged in the decision-making, in the exploration, so, so I hope that uh, that gives you a bit of a flavor for sort of the core, the core experience. So, so what strikes me as something that's that's very different that Soundscape does is that it 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 very much strays away from this idea of step by step directional instructions because you know obviously you know there are a lot of of other um, mobility GPS apps that do that very thing. When you guys first started developing the app, was that always the plan to, to do something that was more of a, like you said, non-intrusive sort of supplement to navigation? That's a, that's a good question. <clears throat> and I, I think one of the um, sort of lessons that we've learned through the journey that we've been on over the last couple of years and how we've been able to apply that is uh, essentially that transition almost from a uh, an approach which in the first instance focused on purely delivering information in 3D audio so that you'd have increased awareness simply of the environment that you were passing through because of the way the information was being uh, delivered to you. But nonetheless, a person was still to some extent being prescriptively told what to do, um, as is, I guess, the... Uh, uh, the way that majority of routes are currently taught. What we also learned from that particular phase that we were working in was people loved getting access to the additional information and in particular way that it was presented by having it come from where that object or place of interest was. And that was certainly what we had hoped would be the case. But equally, people came back and said to us that this made them feel more connected to the places that they were passing through. This made them feel more present and more aware of uh, what was going on around them. And in many ways, the the sort of uh, prescriptive turn-by-turn guidance uh, became less important. And that's when we sort of decided to make a uh, significant uh, change in our whole approach and focused instead of I guess, replicating or emulating turn-by-turn navigation-based uh, directions, but more focused on helping a person find their way. And instead, how do we provide the right information so that um, not only the way the information is presented them, but where it comes from, the type of uh, information that's called out in the environment enables a person to build that rich mental picture of where they are and what's around them. And they know where something is relative to them. They know the kind of environment that they're uh, passing through. And therefore, they're able to determine how they want to get there. So it does require 
I guess, a little bit of a change from what a person may have been previously taught. It does require adapting to um, taking greater control over your own experience. It doesn't in any way um, demote the importance of using the cane or the guide dog. Those are still the primary tools that uh, we emphasize. What Soundscape does is provide an additional layer of information on top of that, that enables a person to certainly be more independent and have a completely different kind of experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can understand that. I mean, generally, you know, when you look at a lot of the, the different types of mobility apps that are out there, um, there really is no one perfect solution. And, and probably the best the best way to approach it is, you know, exactly as you say, that each one provides a different layer of information, all working together in order to produce um, a, the best possible solution in terms of doorstep to doorstep navigation for the visually impaired. Um, let, let me ask you this then, was, was it a real challenge when you were developing it um, to, to walk that fine line um, of being able to use the audio for navigation, but then it, so, but, but to build it in a way that wasn't really overpowering so that it was intrusive to the, to the um, sort of the, the day-to-day navigation? Uh, first of all, it has been uh, a learning experience um, with lots of um, uh, light bulb moments on the way. And, and I would say it's continuing to be. It's, uh, mm. The jury is still out. We're not... Uh, This is the first uh, opportunity for Soundscape to be in the hands of people out there really getting the experience. And we really, really are uh, intrigued by what people are making of it. And, you know, using AR in this way or augmented reality with sound to help you build a richer awareness of your surrounding hasn't really been applied in this way before. Um, So it's very much a learning process. One of the um, virtues, if you like, of using of the use of 3D sound and, and the notion that you can hear information and hear sound, but uh, because it's played in 3D sound, you can the brain actually allows you to ignore it. You don't have to attend to the information that you are provided. So you'll walk along and you'll hear the you'll hear, ping, Starbucks. It's almost exactly like a sighted person would walk along and somewhere in the, they will notice Starbucks, but the information isn't crowding out their channel of, of what they are doing, whether they're reading email, listening to a podcast, having a conversation with somebody, or just daydreaming. And the, 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 the uh, 3D audio in, in, in its core really tries to play out on that opportunity of, of, of not crowding out the, the primary channel that your brain is currently on. But if you heard something that was of interest to you, you would be able to immediately switch your attention and attend to it. Let's say it's the place that you're looking for or it's a 7-Eleven store that you meant to stop by to buy some milk. So those kind of impulsive reactions to the information um, are, are still possible. 
uh, and th- those are the kind of ideas that Sanskrit starts to enable. And I, you know, I use Sanskrit a lot with with my family, with my with, with my daughter in particular. And we, we'd be walking around Seattle downtown, or we went to Victoria um, on Vancouver Island a few months ago, and. You, you know, we, we'd be sitting in a cafe somewhere and I'd bring up Sanskrit and go down to the things nearby and say, hey, here's a museum that I, I read about. Why don't we pop over and have a look? And I'd turn on Soundscape and we'd be lo- walking along completely engaged in conversation. I'd, I'd know where the, where the museum roughly is because I can hear the audio beacon playing from that direction. Because it's nonverbal, it's not distracting our conversation. Occasionally, I'll say, hey, it's coming to our left over there. Let's find a place to turn left. So I'm not even really doing all the navigation myself. It's, 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 a, it's a social experience. It's something that you do together, um, which is, it, it really is a lot of fun. Uh, I've been doing it in San Diego at CSUN with one of, the, with one of my colleagues, and we'd cut across parks and cut across, you know, the GPS would take you down a busy street, but landscape, because you know where the Hyatt is, you can kind of make your way um, very dynamically there. So it's, uh, you know, all of those aspects that are built into the design are, are, are things that we, we have evolved and developed over the, uh, over, the, over the evolution of the design. So this is based on on GPS. So presumably it has about the same accuracy level as as any other GPS app. Is is that correct? It doesn't have magical um, accuracy. What it does, what what we do do is we 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 make uh, we try to be very transparent with the user about uh, what level of accuracy they can expect. And it's not by telling them how accurate we are. We just don't. So, for example, you asked about um, step-by-step instructions and route guidance. One, what we found quite early on uh, is if you place the beacon along the route that the person would have to walk down, because of the inaccuracy of GPS, sometimes, you know, half the times the beacon will actually sound like it's coming from the middle of the road. Because of the inaccuracy of GPS, and not knowing exactly which side of the road you're on. And what we saw with users is that they'll almost ignore their own intellect and mobility skills and would walk into the road because Mm -hmm. that's the direction they hear the beacon from. Yeah? And that, that was a stop sign for us, even at that point, that it doesn't matter how much you encourage people to pay attention to their own mobility skills. If they believe that the system is more accurate than it is, they will make some silly uh, silly decisions. And so getting, walking that fine line of working with the technology um, and making sure that the users get appropriate information that is appropriate, that, that, is, that, that is transparent and clear, has been a very important factor. So, for example, if you get very close to a building, we all know that GPS will start bouncing around quite significantly and, and your ability. So we are gracefully saying, okay, at this point, user, it's over to you and your mobility skills. We turn off the beacon. We don't tell you that you've arrived because you haven't arrived. 
but we say, okay, over to you. So that transition between machine and human is very, very clear. Yeah. Now, can you talk to us about uh, what what data source do you actually use for the uh, for the GPS aspect of it? So we use uh, um, to uh, provide the uh, geospatial data, and uh, the great thing about OpenStreetMaps is that uh, because it's a community platform, the opportunity that everybody has to <clears throat> enrich that data to make it. Uh, more available, more accessible, and more useful for everybody is uh, is absolutely wonderful. Mm, and right. equally, the level of granularity that it provides with respect to things like benches and bins and areas where, for example, a person would spend their dog, all of these become really, really important. And they help in building up that rich picture of the uh, surroundings that, uh, that you're in. And we also use some of the... Um, more readily available uh, APIs for address lookup um, and so on. But uh, certainly at the moment, the uh, main source of uh, geospatial data that we use is uh, OpenStreetMaps. And it has wonderful coverage uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout the world. Uh, tell us a little bit about the development cycle itself. How, how long did it actually take to sort of develop the app? I think when you do research, you never know what's going to happen. If you, as a good old friend of mine said, if you knew at the start of the research what's what's going to happen, you wouldn't need the research. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I, I think that is very um, relevant relevant here. I mean, we we didn't start with knowing knowing what we're going to build, knowing the product. We very much started from exploring the kind of experience that could have been, could be possible with the right kind of technology. And so the focus in the first couple of years has very much been um, how, how does a, uh, a family with a blind person as part of that family would go and have a picnic in the park and, and, um, go over to the cafe and get an ice cream and come and bring it back and so, yeah and really start to explore those daily experiences that everybody experiences and say okay you know that's how how, how 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 is the person feeling at this point are they feeling empowered and independent or are they feeling dependent and and not in control and how how could that experience change mm -hmm. and we really iterated on that for 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 a couple of years before we even yeah. landed on, hey, what technology is going to be? I remember some of the uh, early days when we were, to all intents and purposes, just hacking away like crazy. We had this belief that um, using sound in this way, uh, because of the way that we're naturally attuned to process it, would be really, really interesting to pursue and explore further. And Amos will tell you, uh, you know, back in the early days when, and you have to remember, you know, this technology, particular sort of uh, 3D spatial audio technology, is still in its infancy. And we know that things like uh, sensors and uh, uh, you know, GPS, etc., are improving over time. But right. certainly, uh, a few years ago, one of the things that we used to do with um, trying some of these ideas out was, uh, for example, we'd stand colleagues around in the four cardinal points 
and uh, we'd, we'd call out things like uh, yeah, Starbucks, library, town hall, train station, and we'd uh, ask Amos to take a walk from one place to another, and we'd already sort of planned what we were going to say when, and we wanted to see how Amos would respond to that. We wanted to see how Trevor, his guide dog, would respond to that as well. So uh, you know, back in the early days, we were just doing these very rough and ready field sketches in order to try and deepen our understanding of you know, what's the right way to design a human experience around what we think is incredibly powerful and inclusive uh, technology. And you know, from those origins, from those beginnings, as our confidence grew based on the work that we were doing, in particular the engagement with guide dogs and the feedback from end users and trialists as we started to produce more and more I guess, uh, high fidelity, richer prototypes. And that's when we sort of started to hone in on, but what are the core elements that make up this experience? The sense of knowing where you are, the sense of knowing what's around you, the ability to be able to have that confidence to place a marker on any item in the environment and then know that you can make your own way there, knowing that you'd get information about intersections, other points of interest, knowing at the same time that if you were with somebody, you could carry on a conversation with them. You could enrich right. their experience because you have access to information that they don't. So yeah, as Emil said, we're, we're, we're still learning and uh, there is still you know, so much work to do in this space. How, do, how does it work at Microsoft when you, you come up with an idea like this? And you, you know, do you, mm -hmm. do, you go to, do you go to somebody and say, hey, you know, we wanna, we wanna surround Amos with people and holler things at him? <laughs> <laughs> I wish life was that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look, you have to remember that. Uh, that's a great question, and and you know, uh, we also want to recognize that we. This is not about getting to the top of the app store uh, over over three days and 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 be the best app for a period of three months. Uh, you know, the ambition has started very much from you know, having a material impact on independent mobility for blind people in the long term. And there, it's not, it's not going to be an app. It's, a, it's an ecosystem. And an, right. yeah, an app or certain technologies would play a role in that. And we'd like to see technology doing that. And that's kind of when we think about Microsoft, uh, you know, we work at Microsoft, John and I, we, uh, for the, you know, for the, best part of the first few years of this project this has been an evenings and weekends ambition um, but people in Microsoft recognized and that uh, the ambition is very central to the mission of the company empowering every person on the planet and uh, over time we were successful in getting uh, more support and more funding and it was incredibly powerful the collaboration with external organizations such as guide dogs in the uk um, and um, a government organization along the way as well and, and, and retail organizations to really start to build that momentum and it, it evolved over time um, to to being something that hey you know this could actually be a product that uh, that Microsoft uh, ships um, and step by step I guess now there's 
on on the one hand, things are a little bit more programmatic where we have um, the hackathons in, in Microsoft. There's a big hackathon every summer. Um, and a, a very, very large number of hack projects um, are actually ability and disability related projects. That's where, where employees um, spontaneously come together because they're passionate about the topic and want to hack. And those hackathons will produce uh, some ideas and, and, and people in the company will see what's coming out of those hackathons and often will get behind them. I and mean, seeing AI and other technology that you'll be familiar yeah. with um, yeah. has come through the hackathon route. But innovation, you can't really um, plan for innovation. It mm, creates true. the environment for innovation and it happens. And I think but uh, also, it's not a rigid process. And I think we also recognize that good fortune has played a part in uh, helping us get uh, Soundscape uh, um, out there, albeit in a uh, small way to, uh, to start with. Amos and I, when we started this, were both in the UK and we both worked in the field as uh, design and business consultants working with very large um, businesses and enterprises. And as Amos said, for the first little while, this was our sort of evenings and weekends uh, uh, side projects. But as things started to take shape, what we represented was a kind of a new and different way of doing things, the importance of collaboration the importance of bringing in different perspectives from people, organizations who weren't like us, the importance of engaging with um, and working with the people that we were designing and building systems for, the importance of uh, prototyping and, and learning and making things up as you go along and not being afraid to, uh, to fail, but learning from uh, those experiences. And we've been very fortunate that this was happening at the same time that Microsoft was undergoing and is still undergoing a, a transformation. And um, hence the support that we've had has been aligned really, really well to the change that's uh, taking place through, uh, through Microsoft as well. Yeah, agreed. We've been mentioning on, on numerous podcasts over the last couple of years the advances Microsoft has been making in the accessibility field. So my question every time we have an app developer on is, when is the Android version coming out? <laughs> <Ta -da. laughs> so it's a it's a great question, and obviously we, we, we can't answer it. Um, the only the, the, what we can say is is um, it's you know when we went uh, i would be honest you know when we went into market first uh, of march at least in the us and the uk it was um we were apprehensive you, it, it's a new technology we we've done quite a lot of beta, beta testing and you know we have learned from the beta testing that unless people take the time to really um immerse themselves in this and figure out what this is it's it's a new it's a new concept it enables new ideas, um, and and it takes people time to get their head around it. Uh, and and it's our role as developers to figure out how to make that transition period easier. Uh, and getting that right is going is going to take time. Um, so we had to get something out there as quickly as possible without spreading ourselves too thinly. Um, 
we've been incredibly, um, it was humbling to see uh, the, the positive response that, that, that we've had since we've, we came out. And that's giving us a lot of um, confidence to continue iterating and also find ways to spread it out to the um, to the Android platform, which is uh, very clearly a a very important platform uh, to, to be on. And yeah, and it, it's not your fault, but I'm still waiting for seeing AI on Android too. So we'll have to get them on the show next. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. actually, as an add-on question to that, uh, we should also talk about what countries um, is it available in, and uh, are there plans to add to that list uh, going forward? Yeah, currently it's available in the UK and the US. And once again, this goes back to the point Amos was making about wanting to start small right. and make sure that we took the time to really understand what people made of this. But certainly it's... Um, our desire to uh, broaden the range of countries and eventually languages, but do so at the right time. So we sure. don't at this point in time have any uh, specific timeline that we can share with you, but we do recognize that uh, if we want to make this available and accessible to everybody, then uh, we have uh, some, some work to do, but we also know that uh, we have to start somewhere and uh, you know, take the time to make sure that uh, getting something out there that added value to a person, that a person could come to grips with and learn how to use, would at the same time enable us to uh, get deeper learnings about what would it take to reach out and scale up to more people and more users, and what would that actually mean in practice. Yeah, and it's got to be a little bit more difficult to, you know, even contemplating Android because there's so many variants of Android that are out in the world right now. Whereas with iOS, you're a little bit more locked into into that ecosystem, and you know, it's got to be easier I mean, to develop for. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a fair comment. I mean, Soundscape is a pretty what we call low-level app in terms of it. It's pretty close to the metal. It uses sensors at uh, you know, Every movement and every angle that you move, and we, we recalculate the whole audio image in real time. And if you're if you're walking, to figure out which direction you're walking. So we we use quite a lot of the device in order to provide that experience, that augmented experience. And uh, in iOS, there are there are certainly significant limitations, but at least the number of variants are fairly limited. Right. Right. Um, uh, on, on Android, we have it presents a great opportunity to do a lot more, actually, because we get, we can get closer to the original signal. Right. But um, the, the variants, even you know, are, are very very significant. Um, but uh, you know, that's that doesn't mean that we we don't want to do it. <laughs> It's Loves. important, you know. You, I'm sure you're thinking about Canada, and I, I, we we are very eager to get to Canada and Australia and some of the other uh, countries, but also places like India and China, and you know where where there are huge communities of visually underserved visually impaired people, and they will more likely be on on the iPhone and will. Unlikely, yeah, 
and English is probably not going to be the dominant language in those scenarios. Right. So we 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 have a duty to to care for that as well. Right. So this has been something that uh, we personally and uh, uh, have been very very passionate about over quite some time. Uh, maybe I think it's I think again coming back to the critical role of working with uh, the non nonprofit organizations in the community mm-hmm. um, this has started through work with nonprofits so I was uh, vice chairman of guide dogs in the UK and I reached out to Microsoft I was also at Microsoft so I was able to kind of straddle both sides but that's where it started and and that's where it's always going to, to you know, working with the nonprofit organizations to really figure out how technology can accelerate individuals' own personal mobility journey. So people who uh, recently maybe have lost their sight due to aging or some, some condition and are starting their mobility journey and trying to figure out uh, how to build some confidence to get out of the house, maybe on somebody's arm to start off with, all the way to people who are already uh, fairly confident and just want to develop their mobility e- e- even further. And how technology can really become a resource to or to the organizations to to help then be more effective and help accelerate that process and that's that's a journey that's going to be that's it that's important for us and we urge and encourage uh, NGOs to reach out and and we will look for any way to to support them in understanding what this is about getting feedback and iterating on doing the right thing and helping them scale and be successful with it well, let's and let's yeah. let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, if where can people find uh, Soundscape itself, and and uh, if if people do have uh, input, uh, where where it's the best place to reach out and share that? So our website is on aka.ms/soundscape. You just type in aka.ms/soundscape. Um, and there is a lot of information on on the website about what Soundscape is and how to best use it. Um, and there is a email address, soundscapefeed at microsoft.com. All in one word, soundscapefeed at microsoft.com. And we're on the other end of that email, and we encourage people to reach out. Uh, share feedback, make contact, look, look for opportunities to collaborate. Um, those are probably the best uh, two points of two points of engagement and contact. Wonderful, and we'll make sure that we uh, we also put those in the show notes as well. Thank you. And just to some people confuse the add an S at the end of Soundscape, but it's Soundscape without an S at the end. Okay. And of course, you can find us on the the App Store simply by searching Soundscape or Microsoft Soundscape. Well, guys, gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us today and talking to us about it. Uh, fantastic work on the app, and uh, we look forward to seeing what you guys uh, develop in the future. 
Looks a pleasure and uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, connecting with you guys in the uh, the future and uh, taking you out for a spin. A- absolutely. Uh, anytime. Thanks for having us. Thank okay, you, guys. Thank you. Take care. Oh, there you go. So I, I'm, I'm actually impressed. It's almost our hundredth episode, and we managed to finally talk to somebody from Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we, no, we spoke to Megan Lawrence. That's true. She was oh, with Microsoft that's right. Accessibility. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Shout out to Megan Lawrence. I'm yeah. sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> we're still trying to, we're still trying to get the Holy Grail, Jenny Leaf. Yeah, we'll get her. I don't know. We'll that. get her. I don't know. Uh, no, that's, it's a, it's a really cool app. Um, I, you know, obviously we, we didn't, we didn't download it to play with it cause none of us have iPhones, but, oh, except for Ryan, but it doesn't work in Canada. So it doesn't work in Canada, but, um, you know, you watch the, uh, the YouTube videos and the, and read the documentation that they have. And it's actually really, really cool. Um, mainly because it's not intrusive. Um, you can really, you could use it with anything. You could, you could have a, a step-by-step directional, GPS app loaded on and and have this overlaid and uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna necessarily conflict with it and and it's really super intuitive cool. so I mean uh, and I think that's you know going forward that's the way to develop these apps I think that you know well and I think once the new GPS technology I think it's called Magellan or something comes out in 2019 yeah you know that increased accuracy down to a foot or whatever that's going to be game changer yeah it is it really is um but the nice part about this is that uh you know you you, these apps i think need to be built so that they can be used together i mean that's going to be the the biggest thing because like i said there's there's no magic solution it's there's no one app that's gonna that's gonna you know solve all your all your mobility issues um you know uh, you know ira only is only going to work so far in certain situations but you you know you pair ira with soundscape with seeing ai and you know whatever else and all of a sudden you do have have a solution that can get you pretty damn close to doorstep to doorstep so now the big Big game changer we need is increased battery life on our mobile devices. Yeah, I wanted to ask that question, but I thought better of it. Uh, I did kind of. I am curious to know what kind of a battery draw the uh, the app does have because it sounds like it is doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I'd let him off the hook. Yep. We, we, we asked enough <laughs> hardball questions with your <laughs> putting their feet to the fire. With I knew that was. Gonna I got I even wrote it. I even wrote it down I because like, nobody talks about it. Well, look, they no, got to start somewhere. We're a they, population too, and yes, I agree. Yeah, they have they to start, start somewhere, somewhere, and a lot, you know, majority of blind people are on iOS. I understand that. Yeah, yeah, you got to, and it's you know that's the way to do it when you're developing mm-hmm. an app. You know, you you start small and then you yep. start scaling it out, and so uh, I don't I don't fault them for that. Nope, me either. I had to ask because you're the grumpy bastard. That's what they say. All right, is that on the? Uh, AT Banter website? No, I think that's actually on the CanS tech. I think that's in his bio. Really? I think so. That's why the phone doesn't ring. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to talk to you. That's right. Um, Hey, Ryan. Rob. How can people find us? They can find us at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they type in atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, rumor has it we're also on Facebook and Twitter. And Instagram. Oh, and Instagram. 
Which yeah. I just posted a picture today, actually, of Ryan getting his mic set up. So, whoa, yep, nifty needle. Oh, hey, Steve. Hey, Rob. Hey, where can people find Canadian Assistive Technology? Hey, people can find good. Why are we saying hey? People can find Canadian Assistive Technologies at uh, www.canasstech.com. C A N A S S T E C H dot com. What about Rick Chant? Rick Chant, our funky owner of Chaos Technical Services, the place you can get. All kinds of AT stuff fixed is at www.chaostechnicalservices.com. It's all one big word. No underscores, no dashes, no nothing. Wow. Man, we've got that down to a science. These outros are just, just roll off our They're tongues. flying now. off the shelf. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We are professionals at this point. Almost 100 episodes in. Yeah. Almost. Almost. We're so close. 99. We're so close, unless all of Ryan's equipment blows up <laughs> in the next week. Uh, I have we're Amazon make Prime. It. It'll we're, be replaced in time for the next gonna show. We're going to make it. I think we're going to make it to the, over the... Worst case scenario, I run down to Long and McQuaid and buy one on the spot. <laughs> Send Steve the bill. That's right. There you go. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening yet again. Uh, like us on iTunes. Now. <laughs> we'll wait. Go ahead. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not ending the show. Yeah, we're not ending the show until you've liked us on iTunes. So. You might as well just do it. Yeah, get on. You're going to have to listen to us talk if you don't. What? Oops. Oh, sorry. Rob's playing with my tape measure. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, you don't want to know what I was just measuring. Wrong show. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. What is this, from Australia? No. My, it sounds like it. My HQ has started. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. Well, we better sign off. So, so. Got to go. Okay. Bye. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. And we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.